Hello everyone, my name is Jordan, and welcome back to the Fandom Optimists. This is the show where we love stories, and we love when they bring us together. This week in fandom, we're finally returning to our coverage on the Alien franchise, and we're back with friend of the show, Cooey at Athenaeum Cider, to talk about it. Cooey, how are you doing today? I am really excited to be here because <laughs> I enjoyed doing the last podcast. Yeah, it was fun. I, I, I feel like the Alien franchise is uh, <laughs> fairly untapped. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot that we can squeeze Especially out of Especially these two. Especially these two, because <laughs> we have to figure out how to make them palatable for everybody else. <laughs> oh, man. Now, three is probably my least favorite, if I'm being honest. I think I'd agree with that. Three is my least favorite. But it's the same thing I say about Marvel movies. I have a least favorite. That doesn't mean I dislike it. That, that's um, fair. I, I feel like I go the same way with Radiohead. I have yeah. <laughs> my favorite Radiohead album. Hollow Honey is not one of them, mm-hmm. but it is still a Radiohead album, and I enjoy it. <laughs> uh, so Alien 3, what, okay. Um, so we, we come right off the heels of Aliens with this beautiful family ending, basically. Oh, yeah. Hicks is alive. Bishop is alive. Newt is alive. Yes. And, of course, Ripley is alive. Yes. And suddenly a whole bunch of those things change off-screen during the opening credits of Alien 3. I feel Honestly, like you, you get a little bit, a little bit of the, uh, where the scene is kind of unfolding. Yeah. But it's, like, kind of tied into the credits, so you kind of miss a little bit of it. Yeah, it kind of feels like, um, to me, I got... Just because I had not seen this before seeing The Incredible Hulk, um, I got big Incredible Hulk vibes where it's giving you very important information during the opening credits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a a weird thing that is happening. You expect them to be uh, alive on this pod and they're (laughs) traveling back to Earth and then weird things happen and they have to abort. Honestly, this floored me so much that I was, like, impressed at the beginning of the movie. Like, I got to the... I was like, oh, weird, weird imagery you're showing me during the opening credits. And then I was like, I'm probably misinterpreting whatever they're showing me. And then they get to the actual opening, and they're like, yeah, Newt's dead. Yeah. I was like, whoa, wow. I was, I was actually so impressed that I... I've seen a lot of people really hate this decision, but I was kind of so shocked by it that this being a horror franchise, I was just pleasantly impressed by the decision I feel like a lot of like uh, sequels that kind of come many years afterward they kind of have to like start fresh yeah so they're gonna wipe out uh, Hicks they're gonna wipe out uh, oh who's Michael Bean's character oh man I forgot like Hudson well Hicks Hicks is Michael Bean Hudson is uh, Bill Paxton Yes, it is. Yeah. So Hicks is dead. Newt is dead. Mm-hmm. Bishop, of course, was like a weird rotting thing after he got chopped. He in was half. kind of barely there, but yeah. now he's gone. Well, and no, he's still. He like we. He, she still gets to talk to him a little bit. She does. She does a little bit of like a white hat hacking. Yes. To to open him up to some questions. But he he definitely not as uh, significant. A character yeah. as he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> they did really good at the at the opening with just this shocking reveal that Newt 
is is dead and Bishop is kind of gone, but not quite, but maybe later. Um, and we have where, I don't remember, we, we wrote these things down. What, what did we write down first? Well, we, we wrote down that we have to talk about the start. Okay, and yes, good. Specifically, the start is uh, Ripley, who was very aware of the alien presence, <laughs> for whatever reason, misses... <laughs> Not just one, but two, yeah. which we'll talk about later. She this misses the one important one that tries to get Newt, and then cuts itself open, bleeds everywhere, and then causes the malfunction of their life pod. This is a huge lapse in judgment from Ripley. <laughs> <laughs> Considering how Aliens ended with like this great ending, and everybody is like mm-hmm. safe, and like nude is around, and Ripley gets her daughter <laughs> yeah. that, that she kind of missed from uh, the beginning of Aliens, and then all of a sudden you go to Alien 3, and all of that is gone. Yeah, and to make it, like, just to drive the point home, and to, and to drive home how upsetting it is, they have you, they, they have them dissect Newt. To yeah. look for, the, and it's like this. Just it just adds to it. It's like, um, and how we're pulling her apart and looking for the, seeing if there's an alien in her. It's oh, yeah. gross. It's disturbing, and it's sad. Yeah, I, I think Ripley's character uh, when she comes to is definitely like under the assumption that like, hey, we survived and we're somewhere safe, and then all mm. of a sudden she's <laughs> not safe. Yeah, like something happened, and now she's on this prison planet that yeah that's an interesting choice having it be a a prison planet we kind of go back to the uh the themes of the previous movies where they uh specify that it's it's a double y chromosome prison planet yeah uh we don't find out until later or into one of the other like different versions of alien 3 that these people are not the prisoners, but they're the caretakers. They're like the yeah. custodians. I feel like at least one was a prisoner, but then I, I'm pretty sure you're right about the rest of them. Or and they could have all just been driven mad <laughs> by the yeah. fact that they're they left alone. Yeah. There's no way for them to continue the colony. Once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, that's true. Um, I saw someone point out an interesting uh, uh, thing just a, just an interesting difference in the the dynamic of this movie with them all being prisoners and or custodians of a prison that it's you know that in the previous two movies it was people are being sent into a situation that they are woefully unprepared for without really being properly informed of just how unprepared they are and this time you've got both the aliens and the victims of the aliens are just kind of by happenstance, discarded here. <laughs> it was like the... I mean, aliens kind of, the xenomorphs themselves, kind of just end up wherever they are, yeah. and they kind of try to take over. But Ripley, for sure, like, she's left in this state where, like, she thought she was good, mm-hmm. and then now she's stuck on this planet, and she has to survive with all these people, and she has no idea <sighs> whether she's going to get on or off this planet. She's stuck. <laughs> yeah. And uh, pretty early on, she shaves her head, which we thought was interesting. That's oh, part yeah. of the that's part of the sort of androgynous, you know, sort of ambiguous uh, gender sexuality vibe of multiple things throughout these movies. 
but with because uh, she's always had kind of kind of somewhat masculine features, and so when she shaves her head, she becomes very androgynous, very androgynous. She, very attractive. Yes. Like if you think about the way that she appeared at the end of Alien, mm-hmm. and then subsequently a little bit in Aliens, very mm-hmm. attractive. Uh, <laughs> not very much clothing. No. Like the, she's in her underwear for a little bit of the, the movie. Like yes. she's definitely made to be this sex symbol. And then you get to three. And, like, lice has overrun the planet, so they all have to shave their heads. <laughs> There's no way that she can have anything that differentiates herself from the other males. Yeah. The, the double Ys that are there on this colony. Hmm. But yeah. They, I feel like they would have appreciated her not being a female because of the, the, the harshness, the ridicule that she gets whenever she becomes a member of this colony. That's true. They uh, they definitely like other her. They put her to the side. They uh, don't take her opinion. They kind of pull her along this adventure that she's already been through. That now they're <laughs> going through. Yeah, that's she's always after the first movie. She's always like, no, trust me, you don't get it. Yeah, you don't get how much no. danger you're in. They're like, we don't we don't care that you've gone through this. Twice and survived. Yeah. Now we have to help you figure this out. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Uh, yeah. And throughout the course of the movie, there's a lot about this movie that's that's forgettable, sadly, um, including the vast majority of the character names. But yes. <laughs> we were just talking about the fact that I don't yeah. remember a lot of the characters. We I were trying remember. to write down some bullet points to talk about. The, I mean, the name of the <laughs> the warden, I don't remember his name. No. The priest, I feel like one of them was named Duncan. That but sounds about the, right. All the characters are so forgettable in this movie. It's really sad mm-hmm. that the only character you remember is Ripley, and then mm-hmm. of course later you recognize Bishop, but that was kind of a an obvious yeah. reason why that character was introduced. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's see, at what point in here do we get... What, what, did, what was the order in which we wrote these things? That's probably the best way to, to go about this well, discussion. We, I mean, we talked about the fact that she comes into a double Y, which yes. is a very uncommon thing. It's a kind of supposed to show us that in the future like it doesn't matter whether you're hetero yeah homo, that seems to be intersex like everything is just kind of there yeah between them mentioning i forgot the character's name that was revealed to be trans in the second movie uh lambert lambert, lambert. um yeah between that and like this stuff the and and kind of deliberately playing up the androgyny of of Sigourney Weaver it does feel like the that there's kind of an underlying point in these movies about how, yeah, in the future no one's going to care about any of this stuff. <laughs> and um, I, it's an interesting one. We'll, we'll get there one point. Eventually. Nobody would care. <laughs> so I, I think that's, uh, that's cool that that kind of sub-theme is in there. Um, yeah, and the fact that Sigourney Weaver is still attractive with her head shaved, <laughs> you still get like a lot of the long body shots, yeah. the really thin clothes, mm-hmm. the accentuation of her feminine parts even though she's supposed to be a little masculine in this colony yeah like it's still a very interesting choice (laughs) 
to show her as a sex symbol, even though she does look very masculine. Yeah, that is interesting. And and especially given that at the time, I mean, there were there were other female action stars, but like she was like the big one. Oh yeah, she for sure. Like after Alien and Aliens, like there there was nobody else in as as far as I know, there wasn't anybody else that was like pushing the boundaries of like well, I'm gonna do these roles where I'm gonna be hyper masculine but mm-hmm. also look very femi- fe- yeah. feminine. And the fact that she pulled that off in the first two and now a third movie. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're rolling into the fact that Sigourney Weaver is very attractive. <laughs> no matter what. She, if oh, she yeah. looks masculine, if she looks feminine, long hair, short hair. Yeah, she pulls all whatever. that off. <laughs> and she definitely accentuates that in Resurrection, which we'll get to. Yes. Uh, the the sexualization was very very hyper in yeah they ramped uh, it up a bit in that one. a little bit yeah but I I feel like in three like she's supposed to be this uh, character that's kind of thrown into the situation where she has to adapt uh, to what she thinks is like a new living situation but mm-hmm. at the end of the day it ends up being the exact situation that she's been in the last two movies. <laughs> Where now yeah. she's dealing with this xenomorph that nobody else has any clue how to deal with. Yep. And she has to be the, the person to introduce them to this thing that is going to kill them. And how do you kill it safely? Yeah. And this time, it's a dog. It is a dog. <laughs> Could have been an ox. Yeah. If, if, we, if we go back to uh, <laughs> how most alien movies have multiple different versions... Mm-hmm. You have the assembly version of three that includes a lot of the backstory on the the custodial unit, the prisoners that are still there. That's right. And uh, you get a lot of uh, other interesting backstory, including the fact that there was going to be a xenomorph made from the weird ox that they had rather than the dog. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And... I love that there is a behind-the-scenes photo of them putting a xenomorph costume on a real dog. Oh, they yeah. almost did that. <laughs> I don't think any of those shots made it into the movie, but I love that that picture exists. There is a there is a real picture of a dog wearing a xenomorph costume. Now the fact that they used stop motion for the xenomorph in this <laughs> one, it, uh, it didn't hold up very it well. It didn't hold up. It does look very awkward. Yeah, but the movement is real smooth. They just they're just not great yet. It, they weren't great at CGing it into the the, the shots. The, but the yeah. movement was really smooth. The the people that are controlling it in the stop motion did very very well. Yeah. And if you see like hmm. a, a lot of the behind the scenes, like their their movement of the xenomorph mm-hmm. in its dog form looks very good. Yeah, that kind of vaguely leads into I I really love the sequence where it's chasing all of them down and it looks poorly put into the shot but we keep cutting to a first person view of the alien chasing these people mm-hmm. that's my favorite thing in this movie I do <laughs> I, I feel like this is the first movie where there's like a lot of first person yeah. view from the xenomorph side yeah we get alien view and it's it's awesome because you get to see how fast they're moving toward these people and, and it's it's a very chaotic very dynamic uh, shot. And, uh, th- that's honestly my favorite thing this movie does is the first-person alien view. Yeah, I mean, the, f- the fact that it's a xenomorph created from a creature other than a human is mm-hmm. the first time we've uh, 
actually in, had this thing attack us. It's, yeah. it's usually been based off of a human. Yeah. Which is why it's more bipedal. It's more, you know, up and it's fighting with its claws and it's biting. But the, the xenomorph that we see in, in three is more like it's going to attack with everything that it has. Mm-hmm. It's, it's feet, it's hands, it's whatever. It'll hop off the ceiling. It'll <laughs> like just maul you. Yeah, they're scary. They're real fast and they're real scary. Yeah, you, you thought that the human xenomorph was scary, mm-hmm. but you introduce a facehugger to a creature that is faster and stronger than you, you get a way yeah. more superior xenomorph. Yeah, that that's, I guess, is this the first time we realized in this franchise that they take on the, like, the physical properties of whatever animal they're part of? Because so far we'd only seen the humanoid bipedal ones, and now we're like, oh no, if you put these on something more dangerous... You're going to get something more dangerous. Uh, yes, definitely this is probably the first like big screen reveal of facehuggers being able to impregnate something other than a human. Mm-hmm. But we had to assume that because the xenomorphs are still alive, and this is the, the alien movie was the first time they were introduced to humans. Obviously, yeah. like other things are able to make... You know, xenomorphs and facehuggers, and then subsequently more xenomorphs. Mm-hmm. It's definitely weird. I mean, the 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 space jockey, <laughs> yeah, is technically the first thing that we see that has been attacked by the xenomorph. But that's we don't, true. We see its chest first open. Yeah, we don't we don't see a xenomorph for, from the the engineer specifically from the space jockey. But in this movie, we see a xenomorph from something else. That's true. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get to have a lot of fun talking about the aliens taking on the shapes of things in the uh, Alien versus Predator episode. Oh, yeah. Alien versus Predator, <laughs> Prometheus, Covenant. There's a lot of oh, yeah. weird xenomorph hybrids that come out. Um, so the way they wind up beating this one was also... Just real cool. So they, there's no guns in this one, I think, right? No one has yeah, any guns. No, not until the very end, and it's only like uh, which I know, think was Bishop's military guy. Yeah, was that one of the stipulations that Sigourney Weaver had for being? She was like, you can't do guns in the third one because you did guns in the second one. Yeah, we we talked about that in the second one. Is that one of the things that she said when she came to the second one? Is she wanted very specific things, but I feel like she only got those specific things in 3 and 4. Or in 3 and Resurrection. Yeah. She got the no guns in 3, and then in 4, she got a lot of her other stipulations okay. that we'll talk and about. And I think she also said she wanted to die in the third one. and they, She did. They gave her that one as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the, oh, the, what I was getting to, the way they kill this one Without guns, I thought it was very creative to to bury it in molten lead or something. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we haven't found a real way to kill the xenomorph without it affecting anything that it is around when yeah. you kill it. Yeah, sucking it out into space has been, like, the only way that we can think to get rid of these things. Oh, that's in Resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they do it in the we first... Do it, yeah, we do it in uh, Alien... But even then, I like, think they also we, suck we talked the queen into that. space and aliens. We, we we talked about the fact that even when the alien is like getting rocketed by the, the engines, it's still alive and it's like yeah, they're terrifying. They, they are. They're terrifying. This is a very um, 
in an old man Logan, the way they, they bury him in molten uh, adamantium. Yeah. Uh, similar vibe here, where they wind up having to bury the alien in molten lead. It was lead, right? I think it was lead. Um, yeah, they they uh, they first capture the uh, xenomorph in like this this like trash compactor area mm-hmm. where they like trick it to go in there and they trap it in there and everybody's yeah. like, okay, we're safe, we're good for a little bit, and then I can't remember who it is, but somebody releases it from uh. the uh, from that 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 area. And then uh, all of a sudden it starts to go crazy again. Yeah, and I think it was that Sigourney Weaver realizes that it's not going to kill her because she has discovered that she's got the, the, the alien queen in her. Um, we, do, we do end up seeing like the most iconic alien picture that you have ever seen, which is Ripley with her bald head staring facing forward and the alien like literally breathing down her neck mm-hmm. and that's that's true that is that probably everybody the most, will recognize yeah that's the most famous image that for if, sure. if you've ever seen the picture of sigourney weaver staring face forward at the camera and the picture of the xenomorph on the side of her with his teeth bared that's in Alien 3, believe it or not. It's always funny when the most universally hated part of a franchise gets, like, the most iconic thing from it. That picture is something that nobody will ever forget. Yeah. If you've ever, if you Google Alien or Alien, <laughs> It'll show up. That picture is going to show up. Absolutely. Uh, the Xenomorph sniffing down Sigourney Weaver, sniffing down Ripley, mm-hmm. realizing that there is a significance to her and then leaving her mm-hmm. and not killing her. Yeah. And I think that's probably about the time that Ripley realizes that maybe she isn't as safe as she realized. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something that uh, is keeping her safe that maybe she doesn't want to keep safe. No. Yeah, and she's able to use this to her advantage to, to, to escape to get to the controls for the molten lead uh, without the alien chasing her because... It stays to kill the dude who's still there, who's mm-hmm. sacrificing himself. Very cool sacrifice play. Um, of, of, and also good acting, that dude screaming as he's being attacked by, <laughs> yes. by, the, by the xenomorph waiting for Ripley to, to dump the molten lead on it. I mean, honestly, by the end of three, we have one character that survives. Yeah. Like, Rip, Ripley, uh, like... Throughout the movie, she realizes that the xenomorph isn't going to kill her because she is a carrier. Yeah. And she doesn't specifically realize the significance of what she's carrying. And that's not until the very end of the Mm -hmm. movie. And it's one of those moments where uh, it's kind of like it reminds me of Terminator 2. Yeah. Where the uh, Terminator, the T-100 is, or is it a 101 at that point? It's like oh, falling uh, into the molten metal. Yeah. And you get the uh, like Jesus pose. <laughs> and then as it's sinking, you get the thumbs up. And I, <laughs> almost at the end of this movie, I, I almost thought that we were going to get a thumbs up from Ripley. <laughs> it as she felt was like there should have been. The, into the molten metal. <laughs> it like, felt like there should have been. That is also, I, I don't think it's nearly as iconic an image. But it was a very impactful image when I was watching the movie for the first time uh, of the, the alien queen chest bursting out of, out of Ripley. 
and then her kind of holding it as yeah. as she goes into the, uh, it was like is an oddly maternal moment, but like of deliberate destruction as well. It's like a protecting it, but also like okay, actively killing I'm going it. out with this. Thing. Yeah, that it's you know it's shot well, it's acted well. I really like that bit. The uh, the the fact that Sigourney Weaver has been pushing for this whole uh, child narrative throughout all these movies and has kind of been shot down. Mm-hmm. Like in, in in Aliens, there's that we talked about the scene with her daughter. Yeah, and then it was actually her real life mother that filmed that portion. Yeah, and that all really got relegated to like the director's cut of Aliens. Yeah, very sad. And the fact that now in 3, she gets to live that, I I have a baby, but it's not the baby that I wanted. Mm -hmm. It makes it really dark. Yeah, I remember I saw saw someone paint this as a a uh, pro-choice allegory, and I was like, I have no idea if that's the intention, but it's a very interesting read of the movie. That's pretty heavy if that's what they intended. Yeah, I I wouldn't know. I'd I'd have to ask, uh, who directed this one? Was this this Uh, still released? I mean, I don't think so. Fincher had it for a little bit. Uh, I'd love to ask the writer if they intended that allegory, because I saw a few people make that point. I'm like, that's an interesting read. You're not totally off base. I wouldn't be shocked if they intended that. Yeah, um, that's one of those uh, things that you and I, as people with a male sex organ, are mm-hmm. not technically supposed to venture into. That's true. We, we are not supposed to have an opinion on that. That is, and that I is true. I prefer to not have an opinion on that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, if it is an allegory for abortion or something like that, that's a pretty... Like it's a pretty strong, hardcore way to do it. Yeah, that's a pretty strong, hardcore way to put the uh, the abortion uh, <laughs> thoughts into yes. a movie. Um, right yeah. before she throws herself into the lava, uh, we meet uh, Bishop again, maybe, but we're not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, could be Bishop, could not be. It's it's he's listed as Bishop two. In the in the credits. In the credits, yes. But we confirm in the movie that he has normal red blood, maybe. We we suspect. We, we, we suspect. Do, we see him bleed. It's red. The the damage to his face and his ear hmm. that causes his ear to like jut out. Yeah. Clearly, he doesn't care. He's that's not, also true. He's not interested. That's also true. I didn't think of that. I was focused on the color of the blood. But, it, but is it he's so focused on getting Ripley to let him take control over the thing that she's growing? Mm-hmm. Just like Wayland Utani always does. And he's <laughs> not even interested in the physical damage that's happened to his body. Or is it another android that is like the next version? Is I it really a Bishop 2? That I don't think we ever found out. We don't know. I don't think we ever did. And that's awesome. Like, I love that that's in this. This really weird, ambiguous thing that no one knows for sure. There's so many different, like, fan, like, it could be actually, like, Bishop the second, mm-hmm. and he's the second because his kid is junior, so he his kids would be the third. Yeah. Or is it an android that is Bishop the second, and it's just an upgraded version? Yeah, see, that's real, yeah, Bishop 2. Is it a kid? 
Or is it the real? Is it is it another robot? I mean, his ear gets mangled. Yeah, it looks real. Like I would flinch, and it, he did not yeah. seem to care. The the side of his face is slammed <laughs> and mutilated. Yeah, and he's still yelling at Ripley as she's like walking out. So he tries to play it nice at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember that. And he's yeah. like, "Don't worry, we're gonna destroy it. Yes. We're gonna safely get it out of you. You're gonna be okay." There's no way we're going to trick you into letting us have I promise. this xenomorph. We'll, we're, we'll definitely take We're care not going to do the thing that the company wanted to do for the last two movies. I promise this time. Except I'm supposed to be the forefront of the company. Yes. And now I'm here to tell you <laughs> that we're not going to do this thing that we've been trying to do. Yep. And then he really shows his cards at the very end, like uh, as the xenomorph is killing everybody and then it falls in. He definitely appears a little sad at the loss of that xenomorph, but when he realizes what Ripley is carrying, he definitely gets a little bit more excited at at that prospect. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she could be carrying not just any any xenomorph, Mm -hmm. but a a possible queen. Oh, yeah. And... uh, there's there's been a, a couple of uh, videos that I watched that if you break down the intro, you can tell that the face hugger isn't really a normal face hugger. That's interesting. I didn't notice that. They said that the this specific face hugger has a different look to it, and then if I gotta go look again. I mean, depending on if you're watching the theatrical version yeah, yeah, versus sure. the assembly version, you get. A little bit more of the face hugger in the assembly version, hmm. and it does look a little different. But there's not a lot of like really identifying marks on it that distinguishes it from a regular face hugger to a queen. Interesting. And then you realize that the face hugger that intended to attack Newt didn't get to Newt, hmm. but actually got to Ripley. And if you watch oh, the boy. intro. Just a little bit. You can tell that Ripley's uh, cryo tube is broken as well. I remember seeing that. And there's a full long shot of her sitting there with this cracked uh, cryo tube. Mm -hmm. And she's still good. Yeah. And so you kind of wonder, like, did that face hugger, like, get in as they were dropping and then kind of like fell off and died when they landed and that's Mm -hmm. why everything kind of worked out the way that it did or was it like post landing and then the one extra face hugger gets in there does its thing and then you kind of move on interesting but it's there's a there's a there's a lot of weird like trying to uh figure out why we went from the happy ending at Aliens to this <laughs> dismal, you're landing on this barren it's planet rough. in Alien 3. It, it's a very sudden change. And honestly, I admire the movie for it. I, I had a harder time with 3. <laughs> if I'm being honest, 3 is my... Even, I, fa- even... I found my two or three reasons <laughs> to ultimately enjoy the movie. No, even 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 when you're, even when we're talking about Alien versus Predator, I yeah. would I would rather watch the worst Alien versus Predator movie than watch Alien Three again. Which one do you think is worst of the Alien versus Predators? 
Uh, the, the, the first Alien vs. Predator kind of gives me a little bit of like weird like oh we're we're a team vibe now and it's kind of like <laughs> yeah oh yeah like just because we're fighting the same foe it's like the enemy of my enemy yeah. kind of thing yeah because I've only seen the first one of those two so I'm curious if you think I'm in for the worst one. Oh no yeah yeah I mean the fact that like the the lady that is in Alien vs. Predator gets like almost like knighted yeah, by one that's of the cool. It, that's it cool. It is cool. Or it's like, oh shit, what what is happening? Yeah, and why, we'll get, why we'll get to why are we making humans as cool as predators right now? We'll get to get more in depth on that for on, sure. On that, that's going to be such a fun episode. I, I feel so like excited. we do have to go through Predator One and Two. Yeah, we'll get to it. Possibly we we got to go through a bunch of predators, predators and prey. Yeah. Which, Possibly which the Predator, which I haven't seen yet. I am happy to go through Predator because I love cheesy horror Oh, movies. yeah. We're, we're doing that in the relatively near future. Um, yeah, we, we, end, we end Predators 3, or uh, Alien 3, with her scene. Like, we get this, uh, she's like falling back, mm-hmm. and she gives us the, the Jesus Christ yep. pose as she's falling down. And then as she's falling, this alien comes out this chestburster mm-hmm. and then if you're paying attention you notice that this chestburster is a little bit different than the one yep. you've seen in the previous it's movies the queen. and that's why bishop 2 is so adamant about ripley coming back with him yeah he wants a queen he wants they a want queen. their weapons they want their bio weapons and as she's falling bishop 2 is just yelling at her <laughs> He's like, we we could do anything we wanted to. We mm-hmm. could do whatever we wanted. We we just want to study her. We just want to study always her. what they want, and it's always bad. And that's why I believe that it is a real human because the emotion that that oh interesting shows, okay like if it was a an android it would have been just been like yeah Ripley you know don't do that yeah here are the logical reasons why you shouldn't that's do true. That. But because it's a human, he's trying. He is reaching out to Ripley on a uh, a human level. Yeah. He's like, this is the child you could have. Yeah. Let us take care of it. Let us bring this thing back wow. to Earth and study it. Let us take care of your child. Yeah, I buy that. I, I totally buy that. And, and I, the, I, I think yes. it's a person. All, all of the... The, the hints at uh, uh, Ripley's character wanting to have that family, wanting mm-hmm. to have that child. Like, I, I feel like that could have weighed on her just a little bit. Yeah, sacrificing it in this moment. But the fact that she has dealt with these things in two different movies, in two yeah. different ways. She ain't taking the chance. Not taking a chance. Not taking the bait. Not going to deal with any of the BS that the company wants. Not going to live like a queen like they say that she's going to live because the only queen is the queen that she's carrying. Yeah. So that's, that's Alien 3. That's everything I can think of for Alien 3. And I, I feel like the only thing that we have to talk about it with Alien 3 after that is uh, there is the uh, there's the character that fights Sigourney Weaver the entire time through yeah. the movie and then all of a sudden changes... <laughs> And is protecting Ripley. Yeah. And we miss a lot of that backstory that may be Duncan who we're thinking of. And I can't, That might be. And I feel like a lot of 
that story gets lost if you don't see the deleted scenes in the uh, the assembly version where there's like this stark contrast between no this is a female and this is a male colony and mm-hmm. no female should be here and they're you know causing all these negative feelings and all these sins and like all this crazy stuff that yeah. this guy is talking about and then all of a sudden there's just this flip yeah. where he's like i i got to protect Ripley, yeah. I gotta, I gotta save her. I gotta protect it's her. It's a bit odd. It is a very, it is very odd hmm. when you don't get the backstory. Yeah. So if you can watch the assembly version of three, yeah, it doesn't change the story much, but you get a little bit more. Yeah, backstory. it adds just enough that you that you get more. You you find out officially that they are not the prisoners that were left over. Mm-hmm. They're the custodians. They're like the caretakers. And they were left there to maintain this prison. And the fact that uh, we don't learn that if you just watch the theatrical version. Is, yeah, it's not great. It's kind of sad. It's you think that these guys are prisoners this entire time. I thought they were pri- I watched the theatrical. I thought they were prisoners. Yeah, they're like custodians. <laughs> you get the, the warden, the priest, the, the like head janitor. Yeah. Like, and then all these other characters that you assume are prisoners. But it turns out they're all... The custodians of this site. Hmm. They're not even like the double Y people. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so th- three was, was rough. Yeah, it's got some inconsistencies. I remember it's watching nice. three. I remember finding the assembly version. I've watched both of them many times. Mm-hmm. And it is the hardest one to watch. <laughs> Fair enough. So that's, that's three. And Resurrection will be... Right after this bathroom break. If I still did ads on this show, I would have put an ad right there. But instead, we have magically returned from the bathroom break to talk about Alien Resurrection, which we've been, <laughs> we've been thrilled to talk about because it's so wacky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would classify the first three Alien movies as horror yeah, movies. Absolutely. And I would classify Resurrection as a dark comedy. I completely agree. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> also, Ron Perlman is in it. And that's just... Oh, yeah. Like, Ron, Ron, Ron Perlman's Perlman. presence turns anything into a dark comedy. <laughs> yeah, you have uh, Ron Perlman. You have... Uh, Michael Winscott, who is from uh, The Crow. Yeah. You have like a bunch of uh, Winona Ryder. She was in Heathers, which is another kind of horror yeah. movie. Uh, I don't Winona know. Winona Ryder is my favorite part of this movie. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to lay that out. <laughs> She's my favorite part of this. Well, I mean, we ended up with Ash, Bishop, and now Call. Yeah. Who are. All, all androids. Spoiler alert. An- yes. Winona Ryder is the Big android. spoiler alert, by the way. They got me again. I, when I, so, so there's a scene kind of late. We're going to jump around on this one because it's real. The movie didn't care, so neither should we. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's a part where she gets shot. I was like, oh, no, they killed Winona Ryder. She's so hot. And, yep. and so she, so she, like, theoretically dies. She falls in the water. And she shows up later, and we see that she's bleeding white blood. And I literally, like, smacked my remote down on the couch. It was like, they got me again! <laughs> yeah. They're always tricking you with who is an angel. <laughs> like, I can't believe it got me again. The, now, 
at least in Prometheus, <laughs> they were very obvious on which character was the android. That's true. They, it, they, they held nothing back on that one. But in Alien and <laughs> Alien Resurrection, they yeah. hid that fact. Yeah. At least in Aliens, Bishop, like, shows yeah, his cards Yeah, it's pretty clear early. up front. Like, he's, he cuts himself while he's doing the knife thing. But, yeah, like, why not a writer, like, call, like, you definitely have mm. no idea. No. Until, <laughs> until she gets shot, falls in the water, you think she's dead, and then she appears yeah. later. Yeah. And at least at this point, maybe a lot of the, the homicidal tendencies of these uh, androids have kind of been, you know, weeded out. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, a lot of the, the coding has been fixed. Yeah, she's a good one. And uh, we don't we don't find out until later. But her goal is to make sure that these xenomorphs don't escape this space station that they have gone to. So the the space station itself is no longer owned by Wayland Yutani. Yes, we are now dealing with almost like a an Americanized version of a military base. Yeah, and when we start the movie. There's a lot of like weird stuff that is going through the intro, and it's uh, almost sexualized. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this one. This is very, mm-hmm. very weird, because the, the, the aliens are hypersexualized. Yeah. And I, and I know that this was a, a thing that uh, Sigourney Weaver like convinced them to include into one of the movies that she was going to produce and she happened to produce this <laughs> oh, one. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and so the the aliens themselves, even like the the uh almost like weird like humanoid like life stuff that is alive on the ship mm-hmm. is sexualized. Yeah. They're, like Giger, I feel like had way more of an influence in this movie than he did in oh, the probably. first one. Oh, probably, yeah. And even in the second one, yeah. Like he, like I feel like way more of the the phalluses and the mm-hmm. sex organs come out in Resurrection. Yeah. And I I love Giger. He very weird dude. <laughs> A lot of his art books are very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh sometimes you get a little bit of that, oh, that's a xenomorph <laughs> or yeah. oh yeah, that's that's a queen or whatever. But it, it's definitely included a lot more in this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it gets uh, this one gets weird. And we've got yeah, so so at the beginning we've got a, a clone of Ripley, mm-hmm. I think they explain right away that this is a clone of Ripley. Yes, um, that she died. Was it two hundred years ago? Yes, it, w- it was. It was definitely God. yeah. It was something huge like that. time jump years this ago. time. Two hundred years ago, she died. This is now a clone, and they cloned her so that they could also clone the alien that was in her when she died. Right. Right. Which is a very weird prospect. Very weird. Like, I don't uh, understand how that works, yeah. but. I'm going to roll with it because the movie's having fun. Like, did, did they clone her and then separately clone the queen and then yeah. separately insert the queen into this separate clone? Or was it all a hmm. one big experiment? We don't it's weird. really find out. It's real weird. 
Uh, so they've got a queen. They've got some other xenomorphs hanging around. And we've got this version of Ripley has super strength and acid Super blood. strength, yes. Acid, uh, slightly acidic blood. Slightly, yeah. It's not nearly as powerful as the xenomorphs. <laughs> but it, it's, it's just real weird. That makes me think that it was all one deal. That they did not separately clone the Queen and, and Ripley. That they, somehow they cloned all of that at once. And the alien and Ripley DNA got a little bit blended up. And yeah, kind I, of improperly done. I feel like we find that out a little bit later in the movie. Okay. Especially when she finds the, the other version. Oh, yes, that's true. Yes, 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 yes. That's so the, a disturbing scene. Yeah. We, we do find out the, the Ripley that we were introduced to is really the only successful clone mm-hmm. of Ripley and the Queen to have been made. Yeah. And the reason, like, in the beginning, uh, after they cut out the Queen, yeah. there's that whole scene where they cut out the Queen, they pull it out, and then there's this dialogue where they say, what do you want to do with her? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you want to keep her? Do you want to get rid of her? Like, what, what do you want to do with this version of Ripley? Mm-hmm. And that's a, a very weird thing to be introduced to because you're like, no, like, she's the main character, so obviously she's yeah. got to come back. But the fact that they're making a decision in the beginning of the movie whether or not to keep her kind of foreshadows what happens later in the movie. Interesting, yeah. Okay. But, the, I mean, the, we don't learn a lot about the, the scientists that are there. We yeah. have uh, the guy that played Grima Wormtongue. I, I can never remember yes. his name. Uh, Boruf. Neither do I. Something Boruf. And I, and I, <laughs> I can't take him seriously. I keep the, picturing him at the end of the movie and I can't take oh him seriously. <laughs> the, all I can think of is the, the scene where he's like, uh, he's almost got like this hard on from like hurting the xenomorphs. Ah, uh, you remember that, yeah. And he finds out that the only way he can hurt them is with cold. Okay. If you, if you heat them up, there's a chance that they'll explode, and then you know you then everyone dies. Acid blood everywhere. Yeah. But if you freeze them, it hurts them, but it doesn't kill them. Yeah. And so they kind of have this like, I can control you with this button, <laughs> and if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to hit you with this cold stuff. Yeah. Don't they like strategically bleed their way out? Yes. Of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's they, uh, terrifying. That's like the smartest we've seen them. I mean, we've seen them be highly intelligent, but that's brilliant. There's a scene where they're almost like talking to each other. Yeah, they're using high-level strategies. Two of them are like looking back and forth at each other, and they both look at the smaller of the three, and this smaller one... We gotta kill him to get us out of here. The smaller one has kind of been singled out during the beginning of the movie... And it's like, oh, this is the, the weaker of the ones, but they don't really mess with it, so we're, yeah. we're going to leave it in there. Yeah. But that ends up being one of their downfalls because, I mean, the xenomorphs don't care. If you're weak, mm-hmm. they're going to take advantage of that. Yeah. And that's why they survive as long as they do, mm-hmm. as far out in the universe as they do. They just live. They just survive. God, they're scary. <laughs> these are, these are scary, scary creatures. It is terrifying. Um, we get. I remember that you mentioned that this feels like an anime. Yes, and it really does. Like the just the 
the the the shot composition, some of the action mm-hmm. sequences, the e- screen transitions, yeah, the the gym scene where they're like fighting the uh, the military guys. Yes, on the, very much so. Like it very much. Even like the basketball anime. scene. Oh yeah, it feels like that feels like anime. Honestly, probably the hottest that Sigourney Weaver is <laughs> in the entire movie is when she is messing with Ron Perlman. Yes. She's got the, the basketball behind his head, and she's, like, bouncing it back yeah. and forth, and he's trying to get it. Just dead face. He's dead face. Yeah. Like, she... <laughs> he, like, smacks her or punches her or whatever, mm-hmm. and her nose bleeds, and she just doesn't care. Uh, she's cool in this. It's so good. Uh, it's I, so mentioned, good. I mentioned when we were talking off recording... Uh, that my favorite line in this is when they're walking and they've like, she's like explained how scary these things are, and they're like, "Well, what did you do last time?" And she goes, "I died." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like so. I fought these things three different times. Yeah. By this point, she's died. Yeah. And now they're trying to say, "Hey, so how do you kill these things?" And she's like, "I don't know." No, no, no. It's been I've been through a lot. I thought that I killed them twice, and they've come <laughs> back every time. Yep. Like, what am I supposed to do at this point? That's why I feel like uh, Sigourney Weaver's, like, Ripley's just kind of going with the flow with this movie. Yeah, that kind of, it does kind of feel like that. Yeah. Like, she, she gets the vibes. She, like, oh, well, I know where the aliens are, or I know this, or I know that, mm-hmm. or they're feeling this, or they're feeling that. Mm-hmm. Which I, we may have touched on this a little bit, but the, the xenomorphs, like, canon is they're more like the Borg. It's like a high yeah, 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 yeah. They've got like the queen like El Reina like the queen is who is controlling this hive mind. Very much so, yeah. Like it, we see a little bit of that in Aliens where uh, as the queen is being attacked all the like xenomorphs kind of come to her defense. Yeah. But in this movie we get that really re- really get that feeling because the entire time Ripley is like oh I feel this thing or oh mm-hmm. they're definitely below us or oh they're doing this or oh, oh that's they're a good doing point. that I didn't think of it like that that's interesting so it is it's it's like they're the Borg yeah they, they are being controlled by very this, much so this hive mind this queen and we're at this point in this movie we're not sure is Ripley kind of the queen connected to the queen that's doing their thing mm-hmm. or like what's going on yeah and we assume we're going to run into the same queen that we ran into in aliens yeah but we don't no we run into a queen that is <laughs> way different yes and uh, fortunately for us there's a lot of dialogue with uh, the creepy scientists. <laughs> and the, the the scientist that is uh you know burning the xenomorphs with the cold yeah. who's making out with the glass he's so disturbing he's but in very a but disturbing. in a borderline comedic way he he's definitely got that grim of worm tongue kind yeah. of thing where you you feel this like oh like I hate this character, but also, like, <laughs> some of the stuff that he's saying is like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Bye. Bye. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 oh, man. It's just, 
he's so weird. <laughs> I just love that guy. Well, I mean, we don't we don't see him until like uh, so after the the xenomorphs escape his, you know, uh, the the cell the prison cell yeah whatever that he it has is. them in they bleed their way out they, yeah they, by killing one of them they they attack the runt they kill it the one that he is the most obsessed with mm-hmm. the one that he's like kissing the glass at that's yep. the one that ends up being his downfall. God. So and weird. he he hits the cold at the wrong time, mm-hmm. and they escape. Yep. And so, not only like we've we've learned through three movies that the xenomorphs mm-hmm. are really smart. Yeah, and that they often that don't kill people. It. Sometimes exactly, they they know exactly what to do and when to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, even in this movie, like he hits them with the cold, they freak out. And then when they were about to do something nasty again, he just puts his hand over it. Mm-hmm. And within the second time, the the xenomorphs are like, nope, not yeah, going to do it. He's not going to do it on time. Yeah, not going to do They're it. They're smarter than him. So it's just, it's one of those things where you're, where you're like, what, what is the point here? Yeah, that's amazing. Like, are, um, are, are you trying to raise these xenomorphs? Are you trying to treat them like pets are you trying to train them and i feel like that's what they're trying to do but honestly you can't do that with the xenomorphs yeah they're smarter they're smarter than that Um, it's not like the zombies in shawn of the dead no they're gonna train them to do menial tasks they're going to outthink you maybe we'll talk about shawn of the dead later i think we're gonna have to because (laughs) i gotta show it to miranda for the first time in the near future she's never seen it and i'm like if there's one Halloween horror vague genre movie that you need to watch it's Shaun of the Dead that is my favorite of that whole style of movie yes <laughs> I, I use the line you have read on you quite a bit <laughs> it's a good movie it's also a really easy cosplay for Halloween I, I'll continue to be the horror guy and we'll talk about dark comedies as oh, yeah. well as oh, yeah, I'm actual in. horror movies I'm in we'll do it Okay. And then we were talking about eventually doing a Harry Potter episode. Oh, maybe. Harry Potter would be fun. <laughs> but yeah, um, oh god. So, um, okay, Ron Perlman is doing his thing. Uh, gay kiss in this movie. Not sure if it's intended to be gay or just excitement, but Ron Perlman kisses that other guy. Yeah. Um, which was funny because I really thought that Winona Ryder and Sigourney Weaver were going to kiss, but that doesn't happen. It's Ron Perlman and this other guy. There's a lot of like sexual tension with, with uh, Ripley just a lot. in general in this movie. Yeah, and Winona Ryder is very hot. I don't know if it's the eyes. Or the, I don't know the uh, way you keep saying yeah, the way. Hot. Yeah, you keep saying like Sigourney Weaver. I'm like I'm like just wait until I can talk about Winona Ryder. <laughs> I mean. Brown hair, brown eyes. Yeah. I'm a sucker for it. Yeah. It'll it, do it again. Um. <laughs> oh, Why'd they make uh, the robot so hot? Like, why not a writer had her uh, stint in Heathers, which was a, a pretty, like, goofy kind of horror movie. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this movie has the really cool water scene, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, that's a cool scene. That's a great action sequence. Uh, see, the the underwater expl- like he, he they shoot one of them with like a grenade launcher underwater. Yeah, it's a it's a Ron Perlman special recipe. Yes, that's his, awesome. His like blunderbuss. It's like a like his uh, you know thermal you know whatever that he keeps his coffee in. Yeah, it's a great effect. 
and and you see like it's it's not just like a blunderbuss. It's like shooting rockets out. Yeah, and you see that in the water. It's a great effect. But of course, when you're shooting in the water, like you're less likely to hit your your target because yeah. the water slows everything down. Mm. And the the xenomorphs are a lot smarter than Ron Perlman, if we're being honest. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They're probably a lot smarter than everybody else. Uh, oh, we've also got. Gun guy who can ricochet off of anything. Yes, that that was the character. That, that dude's I felt like bordering on being an X Men. He was very anime to me. Yeah, like that was like uh, Spike in <laughs> Cowboy Bebop or uh, the Captain, like, the Cook in Cowboy Bebop. I can't yeah. remember the name. Like, like a mix between can, the two, he can shoot the ceiling and kill the guy behind him. And then at some point he shoots the ceiling and kills like a million alien eggs. Like he's he's a good shot. He's a, yeah, he's a great shot. And the fact that he's uh, able to just, like, project where his bullets are going to go. Yeah. Like, it, it's kind of cool. He guesses. And, and then the, the fact that he's probably the most agile out of yeah. all of the crew, and he's the one that gets stuck with the paraplegic at the end, <laughs> and is being carried by him up yeah. this ladder. It's, it's and just... We the- <laughs> it, it cracks me up that you always have, like, these <laughs> juxtaposed, like... This character that is the most capable becomes the least capable yep. at some point. It leads to my single favorite shot in this movie of Ron Perlman bending backwards over, like holding on yes. by his knees on the ladder, and he like leans all the way back and shoots the the alien, and then he leans back up and is confronted with a spider. Ah, oh, fuck! And shoots it. Yep. And I love that he shoots the spider. I adore that touch. Cinches the uh, the the dark comedy aspect of this. That, that he's as scared as scared of a spider as he is as a, of the xenomorphs. Yes. Yeah. And 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 treats it exactly as aggressively. Exactly. And I love that so much. <laughs> Which is sad because growing up in the great nation of Texas. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of tarantulas that are around here. Yes, there are. And I like to save them. Yeah. People are like, oh, I'm going to kill not, them. They're not all that dangerous. No, nope, I'll save them. Yeah. Spiders don't bother me. Xenomorphs, yeah. on the other if hand. If I see a brown recluse, I'm going to freak out. Well, yeah. But but if I see a tarantula, the scarier looking ones actually aren't that bad. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we had ton, tons of tarantulas like show up in our backyard or in my boss's backyard, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm just gonna carry them back out to the green belt and just do, <laughs> let them do their thing. That's fun. Just That's just nice. just let them go. Yeah, they're not gonna hurt anybody. <laughs> um, is this about where we get the scene of of Ripley finding all the clones? Oh Somewhere yeah. around here. Well, so they're, they're like trying to escape, yeah. and she falls down. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay. And there's that weird uh, erotic scene where like everything is like moving and undulating mm. and just like moving around her, and she's Very like strange. being sucked down, and like it's, it's almost like a comfort yeah. for this clone Ripley. And she just goes with it mm-hmm. and, like, gets sucked down in and, like, is, you know, living her life and, like, yeah. enjoying the moment. And then ends up down in the depths and realizes that she's not the mother. Yes. And that the alien that she, quote-unquote, gave birth to is the real mother. Queen. 
and uh, the the dude that plays Grima, I can't remember his name, is he's got some of the funniest lines in the movie. He's so hard to take seriously in this scene. About the baby, the beautiful little baby. <laughs> it's so bad, oh, but it's also it. it's so good to watch because he's like stuck to the wall and he's like basically <laughs> becoming this, yeah, you know cocoon for other subsequent aliens mm-hmm. and is just goo goo over <laughs> this alien baby that comes out yeah and is explaining how and because it was like born inside of ripley that it doesn't have regular xenomorph sexual organs that it has a womb yeah and it's able to grow this full-fledged xenomorph yeah this weird slimy white one slimy white one that has like these concave almost skeletal features with yeah these but dark it's got eyes yeah but it somehow made the eyes cute like yeah, they made them they they made it have like sweet eyes where you kind of want to feel bad for it i think it's the eyebrows i uh, probably yeah the eyebrows it's like that's aww, probably it <laughs> look at the little baby <laughs> I feel like that's that's why that character was so much like, oh, yeah. look at that little baby. He's, he's, he's endeared. And then it comes up to him, and what does it do? Instead it, of caressing it him, eats it, his head. it eats his head. <laughs> like it, you, you, the, oh, and also it kills the queen. That's also important. it kills the queen. That's yes. significant. But I mean, a, a xenomorph queen with a womb rather than a normal xenomorph like egg-laying factory. Yeah. Like, I feel like you're more vulnerable yeah, you'd think. Yeah, you would think like that would be a, a terrible way for a queen to go out, as they have a baby and the baby eats them. Yeah. Whereas if you're laying and eggs, it's brutal. It's, oh, it's pretty brutal. brutal. It is like rips its top jaw and forehead off. Clearly unaffected by the acid blood because it True, itself yeah. is probably very much in the same vein as a xenomorph. Yes. But also kind of humanoid. Very human looking. It's bipedal. to a xenomorph. It's, like, um, it, it's on two legs just like we would assume like from Alien and Aliens. It's walking around on two legs. Yeah. Uh, but this, this alien specifically has an emotional face. Yeah, and it's fleshy. It's, it's eyebrows. When its eyebrows move, you get hmm. like emotions from mm-hmm. it. Uh, it's hard to tell how it's feeling just from its eyes because yeah. they're so sunken and black and like the they've got like this like almost skeletal hmm. feature to the yeah. face. And I feel like the entire rest of the movie, it's trying to um, get like a recognition. Yeah, that's a good word for it. It's like it's trying to like is is what I'm doing okay? Mm-hmm. Is this okay? And it, it instead of trying to get that from the queen, it gets that from Ripley. Yeah. Like and it, <laughs> is this okay? Yeah. Should I be doing this? You you want me to knock the face off of this queen? I'll do it for <laughs> you. Okay, I'm gonna do it. It's such Ooh. a it's such a sweet, sad, violent, <laughs> awful thing. And it's just, it's, it leads to all sorts of conflicting emotions, way more powerful than anything that I got from Alien 3. Um, and now, now we're back to like the being sucked out in space. 
Yeah. Oh God. And this is gruesome. <laughs> it's the. It's the. They went to eleven. They made this the most gruesome version of that trope. Yep. Uh, honestly, though, in a way, it showed the strength of the xenomorphs. That, yeah. Like, there's a hole that is literally creating a vacuum out into space. Yes. And this thing is able to fight that pressure. It pulls... For a little bit, yeah. It pulls this body away from. So, so we're talking about the... Like, later in the movie, right before uh, the end, they shoot a hole. Like, Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley, the clone Ripley, realizes that this thing is unstable. Yeah. It may be her baby... But it's already killed its quote unquote mother. Yes. It is trying to take on Ripley as its mother. Mm-hmm. And in the process, is it's killing other people in Ripley's group. Because it wants to be the only thing, in, in my opinion, if, if I'm this like newborn thing, mm-hmm. my only want is to reach out for the approval of my mother. Yes. And if it believes that Ripley is its mother, that's why it's killing the queen. That's why it's mm. destroying everybody around it that is causing Ripley stress. Because whether we think about it or not, Ripley is probably stressed. It's a dark situation. <laughs> she, she's a clone. Yeah. She's dealing with all these people that she has no tie to, mm-hmm. no allegiance to. And these people are just there to kind of help her escape. Yeah. And she's kind of alone, and so is this alien baby. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a, a weird connection between them. Yeah, I think so. There's like a, a motherly love where she's stroking it and like loving on it, and there's like this uh, like sense of purpose with Ripley for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she realizes, like, if I let this thing live, it's going to destroy everything that I now care about. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like most of the movie is her fighting that instinct. Like, I want Interesting, to... Interesting, yeah. I want to side with the xenomorphs. I want to side with the aliens. Yeah. But my attachment is to these humans that are trying to save me. Yeah, and she ultimately can't... Ultimately uh, can't. Can't do it. And it's... Hmm. But at least she got to have sex with the aliens, which is what she wanted. (laughs) As weird as that sounds, Sigourney Weaver wanted to have a scene with the aliens. Yeah, that's how she wanted it to go. Um, Which is very weird. I don't know why, but okay. I mean, more power to you. Yeah? If you can make it happen, make it happen. Yeah, if your thing is weird like slimy alien creatures, I mean, that's your thing, right? Yeah. Um, And we get where... Oh, there's the flamethrower scene with all the clones. That's yes. that's notable to touch on. Oh yeah, um, we we talked about the uh, the kill me. The, the, oh yeah, it keeps coming back. Yeah, it keeps coming back. People keep saying kill me in these movies, ever since they cut it out of the first one. Yeah, ever since <laughs> Dallas got his scene that never showed up except for the director's cut, we we see lots of kill me scenes. Yeah, and she takes a flamethrower to all of those clones, and it's that. that was a scarring scene. It was t- it was horrifying. Mm-hmm. It was a very disturbing scene. I, I feel mm-hmm. like this uh, this kind of led into. Uh, we'll probably talk about Resident Evil at some point because that's another series. Yeah. 
Never seen they, any of those, but we, a, we may have to. There's a little bit of uh, this going on in Resident Evil with yeah. the cloning and stuff. And so I, I feel like we'll probably talk a little bit more about this <laughs> later. Okay. Ho- hopefully uh, we'll do way more movies than just Alien and Predator. Yeah, we'll, we'll loop around to all kinds of stuff over time. I've got a Most list. of which I haven't seen because I've not been a big horror person for the, for the vast majority of my life. Um, I, I, I'm one of those weird messed up kids that probably has a lot of those. Yeah. And um, it's... it's Man, the the clone thing is really, uh, they they made it real disturbing in this. So the, I like that they keep alluding to Earth being, uh, uh, what did Ron Perlman put it, a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a terrible place to be. Don't go back to Earth. And it's like, well, what's happened to Earth in the last two hundred years? Yeah, they're like angry. Yeah. Like, Wait, we're going back to Earth? That's gross. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Yeah. And um, it's. It's just, we finally get there. I think there's an alternate ending. I don't know if it's in, like, the director's cut or if it's a deleted scene, but where we actually see Earth, we see, like, the Eiffel Tower, and the area around it um, is, is, like, just desolate. Decimated, yeah. And destroyed. Okay. Yeah, I I think I remember that scene. And it's just Sigourney Weaver and Winona Ryder um, looking at the Eiffel Tower and being like, what what, what do we do now? (laughs) And... And I think Winona Ryder asks her that it's like, what should we do? And she's like, I'm as much a stranger here as you are. I have no idea. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of like that. Even if it was real, uh, real Ripley that showed up on Earth. Yeah, she, she's got to be. See herself as a stranger here. Hundreds of years removed at yeah. this point. Yeah. yeah her her family well has died. Alien. Her daughter is for sure gone. Yeah. And anybody I kind of wish we'd to. get something going forward. I kind of want to know what happened. <laughs> like, explain, show me more of this of this universe, this timeline. Well, unfortunately, we don't go forward. We go backward. We go backward. And that'll be whatever we do next. I don't know if it'll be this next week or the, the week after that, but it'll be in the near future that we will do. Are we doing Prometheus and Covenant as their uh, own episodes uh, or together? What do you think? If, if I'm being honest... And in my opinion, we could mm-hmm. probably do a full episode of a Prometheus. I'd be totally fine with that. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do I, I, I could probably talk a, for at least like 15 <laughs> or 20 minutes over Michael Fassbender's character. Yeah, oh, easily. So, easily. Um, yeah, I think Prometheus will probably get its own episode. That'll probably be the next one we do. Um, I guess we're at a reasonably good wrapping up point. Did you have any final thoughts on Resurrection? I, I feel like... Uh, the way that most of the Alien franchise up till now that we've talked about, we have uh, a like dark thriller in Alien, mm-hmm. and we have a we're being overrun kind of like Star- uh, Starship Troopers and Aliens, yeah. and a very uh, Vietnam style military movie is at that. Yes, and then in three, that's like this like mediocre kind of like we're progressing the story into this new age kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we have Resurrection that really goes off the rails. Real wacky dark comedy. With, yeah, way dark <laughs> comedy. And it definitely, it does have like anime vibes for me. Yeah. I, like, I feel like I'm watching Cowboy Bebop whenever I'm watching this, uh, whenever I'm watching Alien Resurrection. Yeah, very much so. Oh, I nearly forgot to do our little mail segment because we actually got a mail last time. Uh, Scotty Cameron wrote in. 
Great episode. As a horror movie and Alien fan in particular, I loved getting an episode for Alien. Uh, Alien is one of my favorite horror franchises along with Halloween, Saw, Scream, Friday the 13th, and Hannibal Lecter. And we may have to do all of those okay. <laughs> at some point. Well, I, Just to we, make Scotty Cameron happy. We, we did do a uh, slasher movie trivia here. That's true. It was like Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. And then... Uh, yeah, Scotty, I, if you ever visit the Fort Worth area, okay? <laughs> swing by uh, uh, Athony M. Sider. Yeah, just, just ask me. I'll uh, go over the trivias <laughs> with you. Anything that you're interested in. I, I love trivia, so uh, anything that involves like weird movies, I'm into. <laughs> Uh, so thanks so much for writing in, Scotty. As always, Scotty is our is our most our most loyal writer for our for our mail segments. Um, I think that'll probably do it for us this week. Did you have any closing remarks? I I I love horror movies, and I'm <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to doing more. <laughs> I can't horror wait. movies. Prometheus is going to be a good episode. Prometheus, Alien Covenant's going to be good. Predator will be a, oh, a yeah. decent series to go yeah. through. Then we can do Alien versus Predator. I've just realized that while we're recording this, I have not yet posted the last episode I recorded. So if you're listening to this now, um, I well, no, it's time travel at this point. So I, I'm time traveling from the past to tell you I'm sorry about how late the last episode of this show was that you probably listened to several days ago. So, anyway, we are a member of the Hall of Pods podcast network. There is a link tree in the description of this episode that will take you to all of my amazing podcasting friends. We've added a new member to the to the network, uh, Movies to Watch Before You Die. Please go check that out. Uh, that's an awesome podcast. And you can find us at Fandom Optimists on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time... Never apologize for loving your fandom and try to stay optimistic. I'll talk to you next week.